Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with fashion designer Laquan Smith, who I spoke with backstage at his fall 2020 runway show in February. Back then, he said, and I quote, everyone's wearing leggings and sweaters and streetwear, which I'm not knocking, but that's not the woman I'm inspired by. Now that even more women are shopping fashion based on comfort, I wanted to ask him where his sexy, glamorous designs fit in and what changes he's made to his business in the last few months. Welcome, Laquan. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to talk to you. I have to say, in um, leading up to this conversation, I hopped on your Instagram and I Uh watched bits of that runway show again because, oh my gosh, it got me like excited again. I... I remember it was late in the day. It was like yeah. the last show. And I was like, do I have the energy? And I got my butt. <laughs> I got my butt there. And like the music was fun. I mean, I the the scene with Alana Arrington, the two models going down. And it was just so fun. But talk to me about that. Uh, and before we get into the nitty gritty, but what's the role of that fashion show? Yeah, I mean, it plays a really huge role with the brand and with what I'm creating I think it tells a story you know and for me like watching like runway shows like every day every day every day and I feel like you know as time has progressed it seems as though like fashion week has sort of lost its level of excitement in a way um everything is just oh so serious nowadays and you know I just want to be able to like bring back the heyday of Azadine Alaya or, you know, the, the Gianni Versace's and Terry McGlair, like those were, to, to me, those were like the exciting shows to watch. Those were the shows that I was like, and the designers that I was mostly inspired by. And, you know, I think that all in all, you know, to wear Laquan Smith is a celebration. So, you know, to be able to portray that kind of, um, in, you know, that same imagery and that same energy to, in a show and through the models and the attitude and the clothing is like something that is so imperative to, you know, what what it means to be a Laquan Smith woman. Yes, absolutely. Is it also crucial to, uh, I guess, Getting your name out there, it's a marketing opportunity. Uh, Is it just like a, it's not a one and done marketing opportunity, but like, do you use the imagery throughout the season? Like, talk about it as, yeah, getting the word out there. Go ahead. Yeah, it's there's so many um, marketing aspects to it. I mean, obviously, you know, to have your name on a fashion calendar as a designer means a lot. It really exposes you to not just press, but buyers and influencers and so many other great things. I always use my runway images throughout seasons later just to describe moods or promote looks or promote pieces that may be, you know, really selling um, with my retailers. Um, It's just, it's something that is, I think is really essential to my brand for a long time. You know, I was doing presentations before I even did a runway show. Presentations was more something a little bit more, more intimate. You know, I had models standing on like really high pedestals and it was sort of like, you know, the viewers were viewing like these really prestigious, beautiful, you know, pieces of artwork, you know, and it was more engaging. And then we just sort of like, I just started growing as a designer. I started growing as a business and there was so much more that I just had to say there was there was just so much vibrations and so many like inspirations and and like things that I wanted to portray in a runway show that I wouldn't be able to necessarily do with a presentation. So, I mean, it's a lot of work, you know, it's definitely a lot of work. It costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of people to come together and 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 be on the same page with one trajectory, you know. So, I mean, 
I I just I'm I'm I just feel like I'm doing what I'm what I'm here to do. You know, if I can inspire someone, if I can help someone, if I could, you know, just give someone a little bit of ounce of inspiration or motivation, to me, I feel like I've done my job. Yeah. What's you saw the fashion calendar cut to a couple of days. Do you have a plan in place for for fall for for the following spring? Uh, wh- what's your plan? Um, you know, my team and I are still trying to figure that part out. You know, right now, I think um, the very least I need a collection. Right. So I'm really you know, I've really been focused on that aspect of it. But as far as how to um, as far as how to present the collection, we're still kind of like 50 50. I've been taking you know, we've been taking a lot of meetings um, with so many different, you know, potential um, technology partners and so many different platforms to kind of, you know, figure out the direction on where to take it. How do we present it? You know, how do we comply with, you know, this whole social social distancing? It's 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 tough and it's tricky. But, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think that, we're, you know, I, I feel really confident in my team to be able to come up with something great and something that's still tangible because okay. that's what it's about. You know, people want to take away. People want to feel the experience of what it is that we're doing. So I don't know. I mean, I say all that to say that we are still trying to figure it out. And to be honest with you, I don't think that I'm the only one. I think a lot of designers are trying to figure out. I think right now is just such a crazy time. There's there's some designers that's like, you know what? I'm not even going to show this season. So I think that you you have to do what's necessary for your business, you know, and there's no one specific like way to do it. I just think you have to do what makes sense for you. So me, you know, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about pr- producing another collection. I'm very sensitive to what's happening right now. You know, I'm really into like, you know, consumer shopping and, and how the Laquan Smith woman is buying now as opposed to when she was buying, you know, six months ago. There's there's so many things that have shifted and that has changed. And I'm just paying a little bit more attention to that. Yes, absolutely. Will that be mean more? Does she want sweat? Is there a Laquan Smith sweatpant? <laughs> what does she want? Your shopper doesn't want that. I I wouldn't think. But like, no. how has she changed her style in this whole time when she's probably been at home? Maybe she's still taking outfit pics. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that those are the kind of questions that you have to ask yourself as a designer, you know, because I think you have to really understand who your target audience is. And, you know, for me, it question of well, what it, what is the Laquan Smith woman doing during quarantine? What does that look like? What is she eating? What is she wearing? What is she drinking? She's not going anywhere. So she's probably, you know, going to be in like a two-piece silk pajama set, or she's probably going to be in like a sexy silk little slip dress. You know what I mean? Pouring a, pouring a glass of Moet, you know what I mean? Reading a book or listening to music. I mean, there's still that, there's still ideas that are formulating through sensuality being at home you know Mm -hmm. I think I mean even though we're going through a hard time like people need escapism at the end of the day so aside from watching news all day or, or you know going on social media and just experiencing just all this trauma happening in in the world, you know, a form of escapism is turning on some music and getting dressed up and sort of like projecting like, okay, when the quarantine is over, these are the looks that I'm going to break out or, you know, let me get my body in shape because when the quarantine is over, baby, you know what I mean? It's all these kind of like, these like thoughtful slash like hopeful kind of happy, exciting moments that people want to get back to. And are we going to be in this situation forever? No, this is just a current state that we're in. So, you know, for me, like I said, if I can inspire someone or give somebody an ounce of motivation to get their body back and, you know, 
get inspired to work out and, you know, have a great body to wear a Laquan Smith dress. To me, that's like, that's, that's enough already. You know, that's enough for me. Yeah. I mean, what else is there to do? We will work out. (laughs) 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 But I noticed on your website, I was going to ask a lot of designers are changing um, their production schedule. Um, Do you do the two seasons a month? I I feel like maybe your designs aren't as trendy as maybe other designers in that like on your website, you do have some some clothes on there from like a 2017 collection and they're not marked down. They're not on sale. Talk to me about um, the seasonal calendar for you. I, I only do, t- I only show twice a season. So that's every spring, every spring, summer, every fall, winter. Um, I've just now been getting into the idea of like, we don't do resort or anything like that or pre-folds, but you know, ironically enough, you know, I just came out with this amazing capsule collection with Revolve. Yes. Um, that was a little bit delayed. It was actually supposed to launch during Coachella Festival. Uh-huh. Um, but obviously due to COVID-19, we had to push a lot of, a lot back. Previously, I did an amazing collaboration with Jordas Jeans, you know, and then previously before that, it was Laquan Smith for ASOS. So there has been little um, small capsules, you know, that have been very significant, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're like, oh, pre-fall or, you know, resort. But I think that what works for me is sort of these like very niche, um, you know, well-curated collaborations, these partnerships that people love and they want to be a part of. So I think that, you know, like I, what I mentioned earlier about, you know, doing what works for your business and doing what works for you as a designer, for me, that is my way of, you know, not only contributing to the masses, but also um, branching myself out, you know, bring bringing a new audience to some of these platforms, um, you know, and I think that those kind of collaborations work for me. I don't want to get into this whole production calendar of having to do, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer, resort, pre-fall because it's suffocating and it feels like you're just running on this like crazy time machine. And to be honest with you, like trying to produce a collection within six months, that's not even realistic. You know, we don't even really have six months to be honest with you. So, I mean, all those collections in between, like I'm good. I don't, I I just think that I'm just going to do what works for me right now. And then, you know, if the company, when the company expands and it grows and we decide to sort of branch into that, that realm, then that's what it'll be. But right now I, I like these sort of like very exclusive capsule collections that I'm doing because it makes it, like I said, it makes it exclusive and it makes people want it more, you know, and it's, yes. it's, it's unexpected and it's exciting. And it's like, you know, like I said, partnering up with these brands that sort of have, you know, a, a, a heritage or they have a great platform to partner, to partner with them for me is like, that's a, that's a huge deal for me as it is for them. So it works. Yes. Yes. You mentioned er- uh, before we hopped on that you're in Long Island. Long Island City, you're at your office, your studio. Um, what what goes on there? How many people are working um, at your studio? What's your team like? What's the day-to-day operations, I guess, at, in a normal state? In a normal state, I employ uh, seven, seven different people. So, I mean, it's yes. a small group. Um, you know, I have my business partner, I have my brand director, I have my, uh, design team, you know, I have my cutters, I have my sewers, I have my, uh, assistants. We have obviously a slew of interns that, you know, want to work with us. So it fluctuates, you know, I have a sales girl, um, Jennifer that just came on board. So, and of course, you know, working with the amazing purple PR, um, there's just been, it's a, it's been a great steady flow. Um, I like the fact that this is a very tight knit kind of group um, of people that are working together and creating together. 
Um, I'm always looking to grow, you know, I think that I have grown, but I think that like for me, you know, slow and steady wins the race. And, you know, right now I feel like my company is sort of a, I'm trying to get it to become a weld oil machine. I feel like I'm heading in that direction. And I think that, you know, you know, having seven to eight people on my team, it just, it just works right now. You know, a normal day is me probably coming in, you know, opening packages. I'm getting like shipments of leathers and fabrics and samples and things are coming in and people are asking me a million and one questions. And, (laughs) you know, I got the interns and assistants flying up and down the streets of, you know, 7th Avenue trying to source miscellaneous things that we may need for certain projects. Um, You know, and just constantly pushing myself, constantly pushing myself as not only just the creative designer but also as a business person you know and really trying to i hate one of the one of the worst day of of, of the week for me is wednesday because we always have to go over financial stuff and i'm like i don't want to talk about this i don't want (laughs) to talk about numbers i don't want to talk about what we made last quarter i just it's just too much but you know for me just getting comfortable with talking about the good and the bad, talking about the losses and the gains, because, you know, if I don't know what's going on in my business, that's, that's not going to be good for me, you know? So just yep. really getting comfortable with, um, you know, having those sort of like business conversations and those exercises and then still being able to like, you know, ne- next 10 minutes, jump right back into, you know, production meetings or, you know, design talk. It's like, it's a lot, but I mean, I'm yeah. doing what I'm doing, so. Totally. You mentioned some of those shipments, the the fabric, the supplies. Was your supply chain uh, interrupted greatly? Was your were your sales interrupted greatly? What's been going down in the last three months in terms of yeah adjustments that needed to be made? So I would consider myself to be truly, truly, truly blessed. I'm just going to say that. I don't believe in luck. I don't believe in anything, you know, like that. I am truly blessed. I'm so thankful that none of my orders were dropped. I had very small... Um, not cancellations, but, you know, some of the buyers were like, you know, we're going to, we're going to scale back on some of these styles, some of the more beaded, you know, beaded expensive pieces. They say we're going to drop, but as far as the orders, everyone followed through with their orders. So I'm very thankful for that because, you know, it's like, it's been such, it's been so crazy for so many people. And I can't imagine having say, you know, a hundred thousand dollar purchase order, putting everything into production. And then somebody saying, you know what, we're not going to move forward. That would have been such a nightmare, you know, for me to have to take on. So I'm thankful for that. Um, secondly, I don't know, you know, like I'm from Queens, I'm from New York city. Like for me, like I, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth, in my mouth. Like I just, I just had to really like get back to the grind, really get back to the hustle and just sort of get strategic and, and, and really be creative. You know, I mean, I was orchestrating, I was shipping machines out. I was packing and shipping from my living room. You know, we had, I, I had my cutters cutting from home. I mean, we were really, really hustling and, and just, you know, just doing things from home. And I, and I guess yeah. it was sort of like, a very humbling experience because I had to find alternative ways to still be able to produce these orders because it was so, sort of like the buyers were like, oh, well, we understand it's a pandemic, but we still want our shipment. I was like, man, you know, like, <laughs> like thankful that they didn't get dropped, but also damn, because I'm now in a compromised position. How do I get this done? How do I fulfill all these orders, you know, on time? And I'm just so like, I'm just so thankful. I'm so blessed because we did that. Like we did that. I was looking online and they're sending like sales reports. And I mean, the girls were shopping during quarantine. Like they were (laughs) buying, like Laquan Smith was selling out, you know? So 
a demand in my clothes. It shows that women want to wear the clothes. And it didn't matter that we were on lockdown for, you know, four months or five months. Like to me, that really speaks volumes. It speaks volumes that I'm able to sell in a pandemic. It speaks volumes that the buyers are still like inclined to move forward with my order when they were even financially compromised. You know what I mean? It's just, like I said, I'm like truly thankful. And, um, uh, like I said, I'm really excited for spring. I'm excited to drop the new collection. Yes. Were there some, I won't say lucky, some blessed moments where maybe some, I know in the past celebrities have been um, like the Rihanna, I mean, major Rihanna, Beyonce, uh, Kim, um, wearing your clothes. Did that maybe help keep momentum? Was that happening also in the last three months? Or it was just women looking for inspiration coming directly to you. Um, was something helping that along? Um, I mean, obviously the Revolve helped, you know, having the Revolve collaboration helped just with the relevancy and, you know, having something fresh to break out into, you know, post quarantine. Um, I think that, you know, when people say, when I think of Laquan Smith, I think of Rihanna, I think of Beyonce, I think of Kim Kardashian, that's already embedded, you know, but I think that, um, You know, I just, I just, for me, my priority was really just these orders, to be honest with you. My priority was, was, uh, production. It was making sure that everything was shipped out on time. That was, because if not, that was my ass, you know? So that was really just my main priority. But, you know, during quarantine, I'm like, I, we scaled back. I had a lot of time to think about, um, the infrastructure of my business. And, and when we do get back back to the office, you know, what that looks like. I'm um, revamping the website. I've been working on the website. So it's going to be completely launched in a couple of weeks. I'm so excited for that. Oh, great. Um, and just really scaling back. I mean, this time was so needed. You know, it was so funny because everyone was asking me to do interviews. And I was like, no, no, no. This is my time to just really be with myself and be with my thoughts and really think about what it is that I want, what it is that I need, you know, not, not just for the business, but also for me personally, mentally, spiritually, you know, I really needed to center myself and figure out, you know, how to move forward. Um, and so I really, I really did appreciate that time. I think it helped me tremendously. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking my interview. Hey, hey. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, did you tell me what changes were necessary to are necessary to your website. What do you want to do to kind of ramp up? Is, is it about ramping up direct sales? It is about that, but it's also about, um, you know, I, like when I said earlier, like sometimes I know, like if I look at analytics, I'm always curious to know why one would put something in the cart, but not follow through. So yeah. like abandoned carts to me is something very interesting. It's like, well, what, why, why, you know, did you not have enough money or, you know, are you apprehensive on the product? I'm just old. It's just all these questions that are popping up and I kind of want to fix that. You know, if you don't even leave, if, if you leave the website and you don't leave with an actual product, I want you to leave with an experience. You know, yeah. I want you to leave with, uh, I want you to leave the, the Laquan Smith website and sort of be like informed on like, who we are, who I am, and what we represent. So it's a little bit more of like polishing up, not just the e-commerce and, you know, direct to consumer and how we can, you know, better that, but it's also just sort of telling the story, brand identity, making sure that, 
you know, my clothes matches my look, matches my fonts, matches my aesthetic. It matches the Instagram. It's just identifiable, you know? Yeah. Like for me, you know what a, you, you, you know what Ralph Lauren looks like without even having to see a logo. You know what a Tom Ford shoe looks like without even having to see the logo. Like it's just certain things that for me, like branding and identity and consistency is something that, you know, is really important to me. And as I grow, I want to make sure that like, a woman can walk into a room and then they're like, oh, she's wearing a Laquan Smith without even having to flip up the tag. You know what I mean? So it's that kind of aesthetic for me. Everything between the fonts, the moods, the attitude, the the, the muses that, that I'm inspired by, um, you know, down to the way that the clothes are being shot. It's all, it all has to be in sync with one another. So I've been doing a lot of that. That's been sort of like my my new wave of like how to re- how to change the website, how to be a little bit more engaging with the consumer. And like I said, the the goal is to obviously have more online sales and online traction, but even if someone doesn't check out, I want them to still check out with an experience, you know, and be like, wow, like I love Laquan Smith. Let me come back to this or let me put this in my little saved box cuz I'm going to come back and buy this dress or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. I know that you um it seems like you have I don't know if you have a breakdown. It seems like you have your hands in a lot of things and and a lot of um I guess sales channels. So you've got your direct, you've got your I guess wholesale partners with the elite walkers yes. of the world. Yes, you've got yes. your collaborations. Um I am I correct that you maybe have some outside uh work, maybe it's a creative director role with some of these like Samsung's and Microsoft's and some of that. Is that happening still? Like anyway. Can you share like a <laughs> breakdown of your business? Oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I it's a lot like you you pretty much said it all. I mean, yes, between between, you know, direct to consumer, between having a wholesale business, working with these retailers have been really great. It's been a great exercise for me. And to be honest with you, I mean, this is all that I've ever really wanted because for a long time Laquan Smith was just dressing celebrities and I wasn't stocked in any stores. I wasn't stopped in any stores. The only place you can buy Laquan Smith was LaquanSmith.com. And, you know, I was I was just like, what gives? You know, like, do these people not like the clothes? Do they not believe? But that wasn't true. The only time we got an influx of sales was when I dressed celebrities. And I said, you know what, this isn't, it was great when it what when it when it happened, but I didn't want the celebrities to dictate my sales. I didn't want yeah. celebrities to dictate, you know, what I want to say as a designer. So I mean, you know, us, you know, investing, getting our money together, going to Paris market, meeting with these buyers directly, really, I think they took us very seriously, you know, by even doing that. We, I remember getting a, um, like an amazing like credit from Airbnb and we got the most bougiest house of all time in Paris. And we were in the eighth and we like put all the clothes up on the rack and like, you know, we had wine and we had music. And I mean, when you walked in, the buys were gagging, like, oh my, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. Like we had the fit models. I mean, everything was like, welcome to Laquan Smith. You know, it was sort of like coming into our world. And I mean, that was very receptive. And the more we, the more I continue to go to Paris and go to market, the more by, I mean, and even, like I said, the clothes speaks for itself. All I really wanted was the opportunity. So when you see the sale through and you see the sales reports, it's like women love, they, they love the clothes. They love the clothes in Italy. They love the clothes in Europe. They love, they're, they're wearing these clothes somewhere out in Brazil. I don't know. You know what I mean? They're in LA, they're in Miami, wherever they are. Women just want to feel beautiful. They want to feel sexy. And that's what I provide. That for me is the white space that I'm filling because I feel like no one's really doing that anymore. 
Um, I think I'm talking so much, I completely forgot the question. No, that's okay. It was really about a breakdown of your business, but it's interesting that the the role of the wholesale partners. Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying that. And I'm like, and I'm looking forward to growing, expanding even more in that aspect of it. And then on the flip side of it, it's like me being an ambassador to Moet and me being a creative director at Jordash and being a partner with, you know, uh, Revolve. I mean, there's, there's been some incredible, um, opportunities and platforms that it's all strategic and it's all like, this is something that I've always dreamt about. This is something that I've always written down, like on a bullet point, like top 10 brands that I absolutely want to work with or top 10 companies that I want to partner with. It's like, that is the the trajectory of Laquan Smith. And, you know, I get a lot of collaboration offers, but I think with partnerships, like it's not just about money and it's not just about the notoriety of it. For me, it's like, I want to make sure that we share the same like brand values. I want to make sure that we share the same, we share similar clientele. And if we don't, at least it makes sense for us to sort of cross-reference, you know, your audience with my audience. I mean, it's a lot of that, you know? So I think that, um, you know, how I've been moving has been very strategically because, event, you know, essentially I want Laquan Smith to be looked at as, you know, a luxury household name. That is what I am working towards. Yes, definitely. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. I was going to ask about a collaborator that makes sense for you. So it's about brand alignment. It's about potentially reaching a new audience. Uh, what else? What, why Revolve, for instance? Why Jordash? Well, with Revolve, um, you know, it was funny because when they came into the office after the fashion week, they were look, getting into the clothes and looking at the clothes. And obviously, I, you know, the price points were a little bit too higher than what they would normally buy. But, you know, we were, they were just naturally and organically excited by what I was doing. And it was just sort of an organic conversation and how we conjured up like, oh, we should do something for Coachella Festival, you know, putting together a smoke exclusive capsule collection of maybe 10 looks, you know, that she could either wear to Coachella or shop going toward, you know, it was sort of like, it was that keeping that conversation going. And so I did a lot of sketching and they were like, oh my God, like obsessed with it. I provided, um, I provided swatches and just all of my ideas on the table and what I envisioned, you know, this Laquan Smith for Revolve would look like. And I think that, you know, I think it was such a great opportunity to do that because for many reasons, I think that I was bringing, I feel like I'm bringing a new audience to the Revolve platform. I feel like Revolve is obviously bringing a new, you know, uh, opening up uh, the audience for my brand as well, you know? Um, And, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm able to fill in a white space. I'm able to give the girl something she's always been looking for, but it hasn't necessarily been there. And to be able to add something a little bit spicy and sexy with a little bit of attitude at an, at, you know, at a reasonable price point, I think was necessary. You know, sometimes you, people want to wear something so amazing, but you're like spending all this money. Yeah. And then it's like, if you buy something that's super cheap, you don't, you don't really, you don't get that same feeling. It's not the same feeling. So to be able to combine, you know, the idea of getting something at, an, at a reasonable price point, but still feeling like, you know, a million bucks to me is yeah. priceless. Definitely. I know you have a custom, uh, aspect to the business is custom work still do you want to can you keep doing that as you scale is that important absolutely um custom is actually something that i built the business on um before even retailers i started out doing custom so for me custom is something that 
it helps the business financially, but I also think it offers it offers the woman something just a little bit more special than the rest. Even though I think Laquan Smith is already special within itself and the product categories that I'm offering, I think anything you buy is going to be special. But, you know, I remember I was like 25 years old. I, I mean, my, my business wasn't, it wasn't what it is today. And I was dressing these, these women, uh, I was dressing these girls really on like the Upper East Side and it's somehow, I mean, this is a really funny story, but somehow their moms and their grandmoms was like, oh my goodness, where did you get this? This looks fabulous. And I found myself sort of being like this custom designer to the Hasidic Jewish community. And I was making these like gorgeous, gorgeous dresses. It's called the Nova dress. And I mean, and with, with, with consideration to a lot of the, you know, stipulations that they have with like, you can't show, you know, your elbows or your knees. I mean, the covering up to me, I was giving these women something so special, so beautiful, so sexy. You couldn't deny it. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful Nova dress. And it was sort of like the talk of town. Like people were going to bar mitzvahs and weddings and they're like, oh my God, that is just so fabulous. Where did you get that from? And it's like, oh, this fabulous designer, Laquan Smith, Laquan Smith. So in the beginning, Laquan Smith became word of mouth. It was something that I was constantly going to these women houses and I was doing custom and I was making it this length and adding crystals and adding, you know, panels and all this extra stuff. But that is how I build my business. I use that money to open up my first showroom. So for me, it's like, I don't want to turn that away now that I have all these other, you know, financial um, avenues coming in. It's like, Custom is still actually dear to my heart. I enjoy it. When I'm working with Beyonce, when I'm working with, you know, Rihanna, like working with Mel Ottenberg or Ty Hunter or Marnie, the stylist, you know, they're, they're, they're calling me, they're conceptualizing me because they, they believe in my vision and my capabilities of doing something custom and amazing, you know? So I, I love doing custom. I think it's exciting. It's fun. It's, it's a, for me, it's more of a, it's a better way to get more connected with the client, you know? Um, yeah. And I just, I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> adding, I guess, covering arms, covering, adding, a, it's so funny, a modest Laquan Smith version. And then they come to your show and then they see the cat suit and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to add the two. I One of the things I mentioned too, I, I had to, I remember when when I was, you know, doing a lot of that stuff, it was like, okay, how do I how do I still keep my aesthetic? I still have to be true to me without compromising who I am, you know? And I yeah. found myself like, it was weird. I found myself like sort of designing for these women that were sort of dictating what they wanted. And that that is sort of like the bittersweetness in doing custom. You know, you're, you're taking someone else's vision, but you're incorporating it with your own expertise and your own vision. But essentially they have a vision in mind and they have something in mind. But Ultimately, I just became so like unapologetic with what I was designing. I didn't, I didn't care if it didn't have a lining. Well, the lining can be offered to you. I didn't yeah. care if, you know, if I showed it super, super mini, we can bring the length down. So there was a lot of conversations that needed to be had, but I wanted to be able to portray, you know, what I was inspired by. And it's sort of like, for me, I want to celebrate, you know, this idea of being, you know, provocative, but like, in a, in a very expensive way, you know, yeah. like, I don't know. I just love that idea. You know, I, I like getting dressed up and looking really sexy and sort of like, just, that's just my thing. You know, I don't know yeah. how to explain it. It's just, I can, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know no, how to explain I, it. It's, it's, and it's hard to describe my clothes because some people either love my clothes or some people are like, oh no, no, no. You know, that is way too risque, but it's like, okay, girl, if it's not for you, I, I, I get it, you know, <laughs> own it. Like it's not for you, but 
if it is for you and when it is for you, you are just so like, you're in it, you know, you're in it and you own it and you love it. And I think that like, that's what it's about. It's about the ownership and it's about the, the level of confidence and just this, you know, just this, um, idea of, of female empowerment, feeling sexy, feeling beautiful, no matter what. I love it. It's like, fine, then don't carry the hoe bag. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, let's just be honest. Like, (laughs) Right on. No, it's so funny. Talk to me about that, about holding true to your aesthetic. I mean, diversity has many, many, I guess, um, definitions, but like within fashion, the sexy is not something that's embraced. Like a look is not Mm -hmm. embraced. Um, Mm -hmm. Diversity in all all forms, like there's very – a streamline, I guess, in terms of fashion. Would you agree in terms of what sells, what fashion has embraced? Um, or do you feel like even in terms of your aesthetic, just um, like maybe an outsider or that you had to work harder or to kind of sell fashion on your your aesthetic, on who you are? Um, I mean, I think, uh, I, I feel like fashion, you know, I just finished reading Andre Leontelli's book. Um, and I And I think that like, I had emailed him saying like, thank you so much for writing this book because I felt like he was talking about a time where these experiences were so vibrant and so amazing. I'm talking about within the, within the fashion industry that now like we're in a place where no one's really like everyone to me is followers. Like no one is really like taking a chance on like new dope, innovative designers. Everyone is following the trends of what a Vogue says or what a, you know, what a CFDA says or LVMH. I mean, I think that like, obviously we have these incredible platforms to be able, they're, they're there to support us. They're supposed yeah. to support us. They're supposed to embrace us. Um, but that doesn't always happen. And so when you talk about, you know, things like diversity and inclusivity, it's used, the term is used so loosely. And, and it's just my opinion because these, these are my experiences, you know, and yeah. I, I think it's very sensitive to talk about because what I may have experienced, you know, Amy might not have, you know, so yeah. there's so many different like experiences that I've had that for me made me feel like sort of an outsider or excluded or not considered, you know, um, even something as small as, like you mentioned, custom. Like I would be, I would be asked to do something custom for like a top top magazine, but only when like a Nicki Minaj is on the cover, or only when you know, say like a, a hip hop or you know, like a. Rap. It's to me, it's like oh, I'm I'm grateful for that, and I think that that's fabulous. I love Nicki Minaj, I love Cardi B, I love all those girls. But then, why not call me when you have a Scarlett Johansson? Why not call me when you have a Zoe Kravitz? You know, there's sort of like yep. it's sort of like sometimes the, the industry will like pigeonhole you because they because they want to think what I don't know. It's sort of like they think they know who you are, but they don't, you know? Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why I took on a lot of these partnerships is to sort of branch out and to sort of show that I'm I'm beyond what you think. I'm beyond just this designer who makes leggings or this designer who just makes a sexy crop top and a mini skirt or whatever. There, there's so much range to what I have to offer. Yeah. And that was something that I really wanted to be able to show. So, you know, when it comes to this whole, you know, diversity thing and what I fit. In my opinion, like I'm just in my, I'm in a lane of my own. I think that, you know, my success has proven that, you know, you can do this no matter what. I thoroughly enjoy going to like schools and talking to students and things like that, because I think 
it's it's a setup. They they you know they set you up and make you think that you have to be a part of these programs and you got to do this and you got to do that and you're not really being who you are as a designer. You know you're not really being true to yourself. And when I mentioned about taking so many different risks, but taking risks for the betterment for you, being able to do what you need to do as a business to sustain, because you could be designing dresses all day long, but like if you're not making any money, it, it's sort of it's just a hobby, you know, it's sort of going in vain. And so to be able to sustain, I want to be able to make a living. I want to be able to, you know, <laughs> I want the nice things in life too, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's sort of tapping into that business mindset and figuring out how do I, how do I bring in more money? How, how do I bring in revenue stream? How do I sustain at the same time? How do I, how do I keep a level of relevancy? Yeah. Looking back, last question, just having been in the industry, I think since 2013, I don't know your career path. Like looking back, would you have like taken the traditional, I don't know if, did you, did you do Parsons? Did you and then go and then sell at Barney's and all of that? I know that, or you were taught by a family member. Is yeah. That, well, like, part of yeah. It? My, my grandmother taught me how to sew. My grandmother um, is from Wilmington, North Carolina. And so she and my grandfather moved to New York in Brooklyn in the 70s, I want to say. And then my mom was born and then I was born in Queens. And I just always remember my mother, like, I mean, my grandmother, she was just always into arts and crafts. Like she was always sewing something or creating something. And I don't know, I just sort of I feel like I just had that creative spirit. You know, it was just sort of in me. I was always illustrating. I was always sketching. I attended um, art and design high school. Um, And then unfortunately, like I got denied from FIT and Parsons. So that was really, for me, devastating because in eighth grade, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew exactly what colleges I wanted to attend. It was very clear for me. And then up until you know, the point where I got rejected from those top schools in New York, I just kind of became a little bit confused as to how do I, how do I do this? You know, like I was looking to sort of take that traditional route, but you know, it didn't happen, you know, it it didn't happen in that way. And so that's where sort of that, that grind and that hustle and that sort of like humble beginnings come from when you talk about, well, what did you do during quarantine? Well, I did what I was doing all these other years before I had a business, you know, it's sort of like, just just doing the grunt work, you know, and that's that's sort of how it started. And I think that what you can't deny, you can't deny good work, quality. You can't deny great craftsmanship. And that's something that I honestly have. And so, you know, when I mentioned that, you know, the fashion industry is sort of, you know, to me, it feels more like followers than, than leaders. I, I do still stand by that, but I'm thankful for some of the, you know, industry insiders who did take a chance on me, like Kareen Royfeld, like Andre Leontelli, like Tom Ford, you know, like there's so many people that have given me an opportunity or that have just had a conversation with me and was really straight up and transparent with me on, you know, what it is that I'm trying to do as a designer and as a business. And I will forever be grateful for, for that. So right on. yeah. Take that Parsons. We don't need you. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I never, but then it's like, I don't promote not going to school. I'm all about right. that. I'm all about learning. I mean, it's, 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 you, it's, it's about being a sponge and absorbing as much information as you can. That's why I like when these like young interns and they, they, they come in and they intern for me, it's like, I, I I give them as much as they can possibly handle. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's not a training process. I'm just throwing you in there because that's how I learned. You yeah. know, I think getting 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 a physical experience of of something to me is far more better than reading about it or studying about it. You know, I think that to physically 
do it. You're going to fall. You're going to bump your head, you know, a couple of times, but you're going to get up and you're going to say, oh, wow, okay, this is how I do this properly. You know, this is, this is what I know not to do again. Um, and that's on all aspects of, you know, of everything that I'm talking about. Yeah. Do you think fashion's moving in the right direction? Are we like, I guess, turning a new leaf? Are we, are we learning in the last three months about waste, about diversity? I, I'm sure I've seen you on all these lists about black designers to follow now. Like, is that temporary? Like where, where's fashion going? I hate that, that, that you, when, the one that you just mentioned about black designers to I follow know. now, because it's I was like, hesitant to ask. we've, we've been here. We've exactly. been here. For the few designers that have been here, that have been putting in the work, producing some amazing collections, doing some fantastic things, now that the country is in an uproar, people are sort of like, a lot of people are like overcompensating on, you know, to show like, oh, we're, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. But then it's like, you're grouping all these random designers in one box. And it's like, it's upsetting because it's like, I'm not trying to take away from anybody, but like, you can't group me with with Keisha, who just started designing three months ago on Instagram. That's not fair. Yes. You know, so it's sort of like they're putting all these Black designers under one, un, in one box. And it just, it, to me, it's just sort of like, this is not the way you do that. You know, like, I think yep. that, I think that if you want to really celebrate, you know, designers of color, you know, you do it, you do it the right way. You do your research. And I mean, it's evident, you know, this, this with me, Telfar, you know, Shane, like there's so many designers that have been here and that have been doing the work. And it's just like, I still find myself trying to, you know, in small ways, prove myself in a weird yep. way. I don't, I don't know to who, I don't know why, but I just find myself doing that just organically because it's, you know, they, p- people never thought that Laquan Smith would, would make it this far. People didn't, people thought that my clothes looked cheap. People thought that it was considered ghetto, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever negative comments were made about me as a designer, my success, it's like to now group me in with all these people. I feel like I've, I've proven myself at this point. I've shown you what I'm capable of and I'm still being grouped in with like Instagram designers. It's just no respect. And it's just, it's annoying. And it just feels like we don't really have a clear understanding on like what this is all about. Yep. So yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Right on. Well, you've given me hope, though, that that statement fashion is not going away and that fa- there will be fashion and we won't wear sweatpants. Laquan, this was so enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast. Glossy.